Hi there, and welcome back to Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach and Volunteer Development Manager, and I'm really pleased today to welcome along Owen Eastwood for today's episode. Owen's a performance consultant and author whose book, Belonging, I have devoured recently. Topping the charts around the world, it's crammed full of storytelling and take-home messages for coaches at any level. I wore a highlighter out making marks in my copy, one of my favorites being a surfing metaphor that can be directly transferred to basketball. I'll read it now. When you're on a wave, there is a moment in time that can't be recreated. So you have to be right in the moment and respond to that situation in a way that's familiar because you've done it thousands of times, but each time is new again. Owen has worked with some of the very best teams and organizations, both in the UK and abroad. Welcome to the podcast, Owen. Thank you so much for giving up your time and I can't wait to get stuck into these questions. Well, thank you, Neil. Very happy to be here. Owen, you, as I said, have done so much work in high performance spaces, but in your book and through some of the discussions we've just had, some of the most important things in terms of the performance stay the same from community all the way through to that top level. Can you just touch on what some of those things in your mind really are? I think there is actually some great insights and research around how a group of human beings form a strong team and also what can cause a group of human beings to be a pretty disastrous team. Um, and you know, I think we've got a little bit siloed in our thinking about different teams and organizations and communities and groups, but actually the fundamentals are, are very similar. And a lot of the way I think about it actually is around our hormonal state. And that is that often teams are very stressed and they may be pursuing something, but they're in a very stressed state. And I'm interested in my work is to try and bring things into the team that will reduce those sort of cortisol levels. Um, and there's enough stress and pressure anyway, performing and trying to reduce it. So the style of leadership is a, is a clear example of kind of a fundamental effect on how people are feeling. And when people are highly stressed, not only do they tighten up, sometimes they can get into self-preservation mode and be a bit selfish but also they're less likely to be vulnerable if they, if they don't understand something if you're in a stress state and you're in a high anxiety environment you're less likely to put your hand up and say i don't really understand what you're asking of me so if we can you know learn some of these lessons from science and actually from our ancestors i think to me it opens up a different way of creating a high performing environment i think that's um that's really apt as well. Like the, the coaches that we'll have listened to this are ranging from the parent who's rushing from work to get in their car to drive to practice to 20 sets of eyes looking at them to um, we'll have some coaches here that are coaching at the, the representative level who they have their own different levels of, of stress and um, different um, KPIs in terms of performance, but ultimately it all, it all comes down to how the reactions internalized as well, doesn't it? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a, a, actually, a fun experience in basketball when I was living in New Zealand a couple of years ago. My son was um, at a primary school, and and they didn't have anyone to coach or manage his school team that played you know, on Wednesday nights. So I volunteered to do it. It was actually one of the most satisfying experiences I've had. Uh, the youngest group I've ever worked with, that's for sure. But 
I, I took my principles into that environment and uh, the team was made up probably two thirds of the team were either Korean or Chinese descent. Um, and it was funny, they, they just, as they went into that environment, they were very differential to the, to the, to the white kids, the European kids. That obviously is something cultural where they just stood back and they were not putting, you know, they, during the game, conversations, preparing, training, all of it, they would just try and be in the shadows. Um, and so, you know, we, we got, I couldn't coach them from a technical, tactical point of view very well at all. But what we did do was just create a bit of a circle and got everybody to actually step forward and just introduce a bit about themselves and why they play basketball and what they love about basketball. And then everybody was forced then to find their voice. And then after that, we asked everybody to give each other feedback on what they love about each other as players. Um, and so some of these, I remember one big Korean boy wasn't very confident at all. But then he hears in the circle that other his teammates are saying, we love this about you, you're tough. You never cry when you get hit. You're really your best rebounder. And they, coming back to it, it's like a hormonal change happens. From, rather from being sort of tight and a bit stressed and not really feel they belong and just sort of being there, everybody had created sort of an equality of, their place in this team and so that's where you know when we talk about belonging that's what i'm talking about is it does it's not just a nice thing to have it fundamentally changes people's biology their mindset and ultimately how they turn up and perform so um yeah, that's one of my favorite examples to be honest even though it was completely away from all the professional work i do that's obviously that talks a little bit about a creation of a of a culture within that group even at the very early stages that you're talking about and it's become a bit of a catch-all word culture and sports coaching and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and it's used in a lot of different contexts both in the media and and even in, in coach development um you've touched on a couple of things there but could you boil down just to the the simplest um definition what you what you think culture means and what are again are some of the things that you've seen in good culture regardless of um the level of competition well culture is simply this is the way we do things here and it is not what is written on the wall or what comes out of a coach's mouth it is the actual reality of an environment um, it's the signals that people pick up. I think humans pick up sort of 80% of the signals they pick up are non-verbal. So when you go into any environment, there is a myriad of signals, many of which we actually have said are unconscious as well as, as non-verbal, about this, whether this is a safe place, whether this is a place where you are an outsider or you belong, whether there's people work hard here or not, people, whether people trust each other, whether people have integrity, we will absorb all the signals in an environment. So ultimately, your culture boils down to this is the way things are done here. And it is something that you experience rather than be told what it is. So what I'm interested in in high-performing environments or any environment is simply making sure that the signals to our people are very positive, optimistic, high standards. And that can't just be, um, you know, what a coach has to say. A coach can talk about, you know, I want everyone to have fun and I want everyone to be able to speak up and have a voice. 
but then in a meeting they might shout someone down for you know for for challenging them or giving an opinion so the signal that people are picking up is not what was said by a coach it is the actual behavior of a coach um, i remember working with a, a, a national team a few years ago and they decided to change their style of play from a quite a conservative risk averse approach to a more expansive game higher tempo and so they changed the tactics and they changed the way they trained um, but what I noticed is that the review meeting the following the game they put on the screen three incidents where players took a risk and it didn't come off and they were criticized and you know effectively socially shamed just the way that it plays out so what, what was happening there was although the coaches were talking about we're going to play this style of play the signals in the environment that the, the players were receiving were contradictory they were saying actually if you do take a risk here you you and it doesn't come off this is going to turn out bad for you you're going to be harshly judged and you're going to be embarrassed in front of your teammates so i'm, I'm very interested in these type of things in, in, in cultures is what's the gap between what we say and what actually are the signals that are coming out of the way we do things definitely something that as I've um, developed as a coach developer over my time, I've started to look a lot more about um, how the message is being delivered rather than, than what the message is that's actually being delivered. And yeah, like you, like you talk about the actual, sometimes you see the, the coach that's screaming on the sidelines, but then as soon as the player gets closer to them the, the arms going around the shoulder and the the um that you can you get a sense at least watching that the culture is is strong and that the message is being delivered in a way that's that's universally agreed and, and bought into um one of the key things that you talk about in your book is um again i encourage everyone that hasn't read it to go out and get it is belonging at a community level especially in in junior sport but even so in, in senior sport, a coach's main job often um, for a club each year is to make sure that that player keeps coming back and that they're retained in the sport and developing through the pathway or through the club. Um, another one of the quotes from your book that I highlighted that um, I just wanted to, to draw out here for everyone listening, because I think it's, again, it's something really valuable that they can think about and apply to their own situation once a common purpose has been articulated, each person should have an opportunity to attach personal meaning to it. So people can can think about that and draw their own inferences on, on what that means to them. But for you, what are the some of the key cornerstones you see in shaping a young person's sporting journey in a team sport? Well, you know, I think it is definitely starts with a sense of belonging because we know that it's part of um, our psychology as a species that we feel better when we're part of a group of people. Um, again, from a hormonal point of view, we, we have oxytocin and dopamine and these sort of quite energizing hormones occur when you're around a group of people that you feel safe with and that you care about you know, starting with family, but building out. So we know it's a wonderful 
human experience to be part of the team and part of a, a wider community as well. We can feel the same about a school or even a local neighborhood or even a nation, even a religion. So you know, there's no barriers to that. So I, I personally grow, grew up, rugby is my, my main sport. And I still feel, 53 now, I still feel an incredible sense of belonging to that game and to those people. And it makes me feel good. And it, there's a focal point of my week around it. And there's lots of different little interactions with it. Only a little bit of, of it is professional. Most of it is just fun and social around my, my kids, for example. So that's the first thing is a sense of belonging. And then what once we are actually talking about a team, you know, I, I think humans thrive when they have some sense of purpose and there's some sense of identity that you're part of. So that, that's what I think is important when you're building a team up is like, so who are we? You know, let's have a conversation about, you know, what type of team we want to be. Um, sometimes we are from a neighborhood, might be a tough neighborhood, and we want to sort of mirror the people that our families and the people who live here. So we create a bit of a identity of it as a team around, you know, some of those traits, hard work, being tough, being resilient, not backing down, things like that. So, so that's cool because then everyone gets to buy into this sort of something but bigger than themselves. Um, you know, we've got a sense of purpose. Why do we want to do well? Um, and if there's a good reason and a good motivation around that, then people respond extremely well to it. And if you don't do those things, then people can easily turn this into quite a selfish experience. I want to get out of this, but I can for myself. You know, I want to get into a rep team or I want to play as many minutes as I can or whatever it is. And, and it can turn a bit selfish. So it's, it, even at the most elite level, you know, working with, you know, work with England football team and other national teams I've worked with, even at that level, your still fundamental job as a coach is to connect them to something bigger than themselves. Because that's the only way that you're going to get a real team commitment and performance and sacrifices. And if you don't do that, then you know you are risking that people will just get quite self selfish about what why they're there and what they want out of it, and that will undermine what the team's trying to you know achieve with its mission. Well, and if there was something that you could recommend to our um, coaches or volunteers that are um, listening to to read or listen to or watch um, that would benefit them on some of the, the things you talked about or just um, coaching in general, your book excluded, obviously, um, what, what would it be? Um, my favourite book actually is Sacred Hoops by Phil Jackson. Um, obviously, it's a, it, it, it's a special book. I mean, there's parallels with me in the sense that he also uses ancient wisdom and weaves it into a contemporary performance environment. So that, that that's also belonging. My book does the same thing. But what's what Phil's book is is beautifully written. Um, but what's also special is he wrote it after the first three Pete but before the second one. So it's, this is not a long retrospective. This is in the moment of when that team was performing but hadn't finished its journey. So it's, it's quite a special artifact just in that sense. Um, and, you know, he's very explicit about how 
he manages the ultimate alpha in Michael Jordan. Um, and, you know, that comes back to really what we've talked about, which is that he had to create a different narrative for Jordan. Not that, you know, you're the biggest player in the world, the superstar, paid the most, MVP and all that. Had to shift it to, this would be great if this team did well. It would be great for the city. It would be great for the franchises. It would be great for your teammates. And, you know, the triangle offense was, was for example, a big part of that was around creating a democracy in the team around everyone having an equal opportunity and previously you know and pressure moments of ball be thrown to Jordan and it was for him to, to do his magic which is it wasn't sustainable from a coaching point of view so you know there's some iconic moments of those balls teams where Jordan passes to Paxson and then Steve Kerr and they hit the winning shots in, in, in the finals and that's all emanates from Phil Jackson building a philosophy around a real team, but also having conversations with Jordan, explain, challenging him and also explaining to him, this would be better for you and your legacy if you buy into the team first approach rather than, you know, more of a selfish mindset. So I think Sacred Hoops by Phil Jackson is an outstanding book. Um, actually, one thing I'm watching right now is on Disney Plus is the documentary on Magic Johnson. And I think it's excellent. I wish it was longer. Uh, it's it, it, it's a little bit fast over a lot of his playing career for me. But anyway, it's an amazing story. But one thing that really reminded me, because where I grew up in the little town in New Zealand, or just outside of it actually, in, in, in the 1980s, and I actually was the only kid I knew who was really, really loved the Celtics-Lakers rivalry in the NBA. No one was interested, but I was. And I, I used to get Sports Illustrated magazines and Occasionally, we would be able to get some videotape of these games. I absolutely loved it. But I'd forgotten one of, the, you know, one of the great things about Magic Johnson was just simply that it's a hormonal thing, is that he came into a team full of some really good players, all-stars, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jamal Wilkes, guys like that. But you know, they were like grinding and they were stressed and under pressure and probably a bit grumpy. And the coach was a bit cautious. And Magic, because of that unbelievable personality, that big smile, that amazing confidence, he, he transformed them, not just on the court, but just from a hormonal point of view. He brought joy and fun and, and again, confidence into that group. And it was contagion. And you could sort of see it on the court, even in the Dream Team in 1992, you could see it from him. And, and they're the other people I absolutely love. You bring people into your team, into your environment, and they just have this contagious enthusiasm, optimism, joy. And, you know, you can't have a team full of those people, but they're really, really wonderful. So if you're a coach and you've got someone whose personality is like that, you know, I think part of your success as a coach is to make sure that comes out and benefits the team. You don't want people who are charismatic and joyful and confident who shut down in your environment. That's an indictment on your coaching. Um, and, you know, that was great. So he was great. And his skills and everything were amazing. That was all great. But actually, just his persona on the court, how it infected his teammates was wonderful. So if anyone has a chance to see that documentary, I think you'll really enjoy it. And, again, it's just a nice reference point to what a great team culture looks like. Well, when we ask everyone that comes on the podcast this question as a, as a finishing point, if you could ask any coach in any sport, alive or dead, a question, who would the coach be and what would the question be? 
Uh, words. <laughs> um, first thought probably would be John Wooden, the UCLA basketball coach, and obviously they, yeah, I think the most successful sports coach, full stop, in American history. Uh, he never talked about winning. His team, I think, won something like, how many was it? Eight or something NCAA championships, whatever it was, with different players. So they were the most dominant winning team ever. But his philosophy was around being good people, growing, um, living out these high standards, etc. But not, not about winning. I find that really interesting because I think it's a, it's a challenge I have all the time is that I agree that if you're just focused on outcome, then that has a lot of um, detri detrimental aspects to it. But then if you're just focused on process, then that sometimes lacks a bit of emotional energy if we're just doing this to follow a process. So just where you put the dial between winning and process is, I'd, I'd just really be interested to hear directly from him how he managed that because clearly he didn't talk about it explicitly a lot but the team were very very clear that they were trying to win those titles um i think he was probably a master when it came to dialing that correctly so i'd love to learn from him about that that's awesome owen thank you so much for your time today and and all of those um fabulous insights you've given us and like i said i encourage everyone to um pick up your book if they haven't already read it and um and follow you on on social media as well so just on behalf of um of everyone listening and um, basketball australia thank you Owen, and um good luck for the uh for the future well appreciate it uh thank you and well done on the great work you're doing thank you thanks everyone see you in two weeks time